0: Hi, this is Tom Soad, and welcome to another episode of the Anonymous Landlord. And today, I am really pleased to bring to you some real-life investors that have a proven track record, a great story of how they've built a portfolio of properties. They specialize in rent-to-rent, as well as buy, refurbish, refinance, or flip-to-let, as I call it. And today, I'm very proud to bring them to you to share their story of how they got started, what sort of properties they were into, how they found properties, how they funded properties. And there's going to be a little bit of a twist in this one, because there's a story here as well about how one part of this partnership overcame a difficult situation, which I bet a lot of people listening to this can relate to. Um, So we're going to share that story as well, and hopefully gives you a bit of motivation and a bit of confidence and inspiration to start investing for yourself. So I just want to say thank you very much to James and Kira for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Thank you very much, Tom. It's our first one, so go easy.
0: Yes, (laughs) I love that. This is your podcast, virginity. That's right.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: So, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for giving your time to share your story. I think things like this, when you hear other people telling their story of how they got started and how they bought property and invested their money and so on, correct me if I'm wrong, but this kind of gives other people that motivation of, oh, well, if they can do it, I can do it.
2: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, if I'm doing... DIY, which I'm going to be doing today at home, um, or gardening, I've got a podcast on. And without that, I don't think I would have taken the steps or we wouldn't have have taken the steps quite as fast as we did. So yeah, I completely agree.
0: Yeah, I think as well, you know, there are so many people that have fears about getting into property investing and things might go wrong. They're going to lose all their money. The property is going to fall down. They're going to get the worst tenants in the world. All of those things and then they see somebody else who's had the same fears everybody has the fears i've been doing this for 20 odd years and i still have those fears um but yeah so so thank you very much for letting me hear your story and letting everybody listen to this hear your story so um let's start with realm properties which is your business do you want to tell me a bit about how that what that is
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Realm is our newest and latest kind of venture with uh, two other directors, two other company owners. Um, And that is now our vehicle for both purchasing uh, properties that we're going to keep and properties that we're going to flip and turn over. Uh, Realm, what we've done is incorporate some skills of um, some other friends for more of the tech side. So they will, they're a lot more savvy on the technicalities of online attracting investment and that side of it. Whereas me and Kira have the background more on the ground as it will more, more frontline of speaking to, um, different people that are either offloading distressed properties, um, speaking to estate agents firsthand, sourcing them, and then setting up the, the, builds and the, the build outs of those properties
0: so you've really built your property investment plan if you like into a business that's what it sounds like you've done you've got the right components in place the right people in place the right systems in place and you're bringing in some tech as well to automate certain parts of that is that right
1: absolutely
2: yeah that that is where we fell down um it's that it was a whole thing in my head of um, you can get so far on your own and then when me and kira started kind of crossing lines with like getting our targets aligned and um, we we got that that push that that kind of drive on and then we realized actually accountability sharing it between there's now four of us um and we just keep the momentum going through conversation they live local to us they're friends of ours, um, we, we just, it, it keeps the momentum going and it's that thing of 100% of something or half of something even bigger. Um, and that's where we saw the, the benefit to, to for it for all of us.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I think that's where a lot of people make, you'll either make that transition to become a proper investor or you'll stay put as just a simple landlord And neither is bad or good. It doesn't really matter. It's just some people make the transition into turning it into a business, growing it, expanding it, setting out business plans. Yeah. And and so I agree. And you know what? What it is, it's the anonymous landlord, isn't it? That's the, the whole point of it, in that you're setting up systems and automation and management systems in order to allow your properties to make profit without you. And I guess that's the point, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Something that I know you allude to a lot and kind of going back through your back catalogue of um, every single phone call. I mean, we'll touch on it with the rent to rent, especially uh, (laughs) later, but every single phone call we receive, we try and think what should be in place so that we're not receiving that phone call. Um, And trying to, you know, having that focus of, that's how we're gonna build. Um, it doesn't have to always be, here's our plan. It can be the other way around as as something comes in, it won't come in again because the system will then be built.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it rings true to me Look, not every landlord or property investor wants to be anonymous. Some people actually want to do all of those phone calls, take all of those tenant calls, do all the viewings, do all the maintenance arrangements and so on. That's fine. Um, Personally, I think that the best way to be a property investor and a landlord is to not be a property investor and a landlord, if that makes sense, right? Just have the money come in. (laughs) I'd rather have have a little bit less money, just a little bit less money, but have all my time, all my mental health and sanity about me. Um, Now, that's awesome. And and well done to you for, for building that. It sounds like you learned the hard way.
2: Tom, absolutely. And as you're saying that, I'm I'm just thinking back to the the initial ones of. You you think of a day rate and uh, the amount you feel you're worth, and I, I'm I'm okay at painting and decorating. Um, I'm no professional, but I can I can do a room in double the time it takes a professional, and and to a good standard. But then you have to, and it's taken me from my background and my upbringing a long time, to try and give those things away. Um, I was I was fine to give away um, you know fitting kitchens uh, tiling stuff that I, I wouldn't be able to do to their level and um, but it was hard at first to pay someone an uh, 150 200 pound a day to, to paint um, a property when I thought cool that's something that I've got the time but then you realize that building relationships with someone like yourself um, other estate agents other letting agents is actually in the long run has that higher return than it does for me to spend a day going to buy some paint going to buy the materials and then doing it ourselves took it took us ages and i'm still still trying to break that mold of
1: our, first, our first property you literally you and your dad decorated everywhere you did the tiling i did the cleaning and i remember i used to dread tenant changeovers because it was very much us going in and doing everything. So, at the time when we first got into property, we had them fully managed because we didn't know much about the lettings process. But again, we were very hands on with regards to the, the maintenance and the, the DIY and stuff. And looking back now, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I certainly don't want to be going in and cleaning any flats.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And I, I think this is a big problem with many people. It's the same for me in, in business. I mean, in my business i have staff members that all have roles and responsibilities i have management systems that automate and delegate and manage all components of the business but even now if a, if i don't know if a leaflet needs designing i want to do it because i think well i'm not going to pay a graphic designer to do it i can do it but then yeah. i have to remind myself or well, no let's let somebody else do that who's a professional at doing it And is going to do it to a really high standard rather than me spending a whole day designing one leaflet, which is going to be half standard, you know. Um, So (laughs) I'm totally with you. And it takes a lot to allow somebody else to do the things that you know you can do.
1: Absolutely. confidence.
0: Um, Okay. Yeah, that's a really good. I think that's a really good tip or point for people that you just described there about letting go. Try it. That's the way I think. Try it out. Let some of these things go. If you start from the beginning and you just allow yourself to be 100% anonymous and let people do all of the things that are involved with running, managing and, and growing your property and your portfolio, and then you'll be able to sit back and see, okay, well, I want to do that bit and I want to do that bit, but the rest of it, yeah, you guys can keep. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, absolutely. So where did you get started on this property journey of growing your investment portfolio
2: so my my when i was thinking about this last night because you have that once you tell yourself something you that's what you then believe isn't it you then go back through and think well that's what it was but i thought i'll go a bit a bit deeper into well where did it even come from and i had an account a bank account years ago when interest rates were above uh, 0.25 And it was a 6% fixed rate for maybe two years. You put the money in. I don't even know if you could add to it. Um, And then you you took the money out after the two-year period. And I put some savings into this bank account because that was, I mean, even then that was good. Now that would be absolutely incredible. Um, And then, you know, the timeline went by and the the interest rate came in. And you're like, wow, okay, um, that's great. And then there was nothing like that. And Kira was an estate agent and just mentioned about this property um, that someone we knew of was, was selling. Um, they, they kind of wanted to get rid of it quick. Uh, there was none of the um, statutory land tax And um, so we thought, okay, well, w- what does this work out if we put this much in with our deposit, solicitors fees? Kira knew of decent solicitors because of the industry. Um, we, we worked it all out and we thought, OK, it gives us a, around about a eight, nine percent return on what, what we put in. You know, and I thought, great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with that. We're getting two or three percent in the bank. It was either put it into our house, which we had a, a mortgage on, as was the normal way to kind of save or try something a bit different. And yeah, it just spiralled from there. Uh, admittedly, the first one I rung my mum um, and said, i was a bit nervous i was like what would you think and she'd been burnt by property she had a bad tenant sold up a flat that she had i think there was a flood if i remember rightly they weren't um, told about it and i thought okay well so i listened to my mum and my dad um, but she was keen i explained it to her i think i kept on and on at her, to be <laughs> fair. Systems, yeah. um, and we went we went halves on this property and yes even even then even when the the, the rent was coming in We still weren't taking it seriously, were we? It it was still a, it was still sat there as, you know, this is what it is. I had no idea about other strategies. And then from studying books, it it took off from there, Tom.
1: It was our first few purchases until we really really realized that we could actually make something of it. Cause then quickly after you purchased the first one with your mum, we then purchased another one, which was literally next door, because again, we saw the returns on it. And at the time, again, you know, it was just, it was just an investment, wasn't it? You know, we didn't take it seriously and realize actually what we were creating. And a lot of people talk about the snowball effect and that was the start of it. So we did yeah. that one, we got the second one. And then I think quickly after that, I, I know you've done the figures with regards to how often we we purchased. Um, but I do talking about the fear and stuff. I do remember having the savings in my bank account that I was quite comfortable. I could see those savings there. And then obviously sending that money across to the solicitor, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've just got rid of all my savings and I can't see it anymore. And yeah, we had a few issues with the tenant. Um, and yeah, I remember thinking, what on earth have we done? And luckily that was the last kind of really bad tenant we had. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, so it it absolutely started from can we beat what we're getting elsewhere, or is it best to put it into our house? Which I I think, from the people I speak to, that I always believe that speaking to someone one step ahead of you is the best person to speak to next. Rather than, you know, if if I look at the people in property that I would consider they're, they're, they're miles away from me, that they've built out systems and education platforms and everything that's so, so unattainable at the moment that i'm not going to gain much other than maybe the books they've released but actually kind of trying to get something out of what they're doing is is not there but speak then starting to speak to others about the next step and realizing okay um we want to try and get these a bit more below market value you know quite a nice start is well i can't keep saving up deposits so below market value is going to be our our next step, you know, something quite simple, just putting putting offers in there really. They were properties that didn't need much work, just getting them below market value and and moving on from there. But big believer of going for those, um, following those people and talking to those people that are literally a couple of steps ahead of you rather than the miles away.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And you know what, a few really good tips in there and anybody listening to this, I think will, will probably relate to that situation where, Kira, as you said, you've got money in the bank and you can see it in the bank. It's safe there, so you think, right? I mean, mm-hmm. unless unless the world goes crazy again, but you can see it there, you know it's there, it's safe, and all right, it's not doing anything and technically you're losing money by it being sat in an account, but it's there and that's yeah. it. Um, and I think a lot of people will relate to that. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you have this feeling of, my money's not doing anything, but it's there, but it's not doing anything, but it's there, but it's not doing anything, but it's there. You sort of argue with yourself. Yeah. And so I absolutely agree. And I see I see that sort of thing as uh, what I would classify as uh, pots. So my accountant taught me this. He just saw everything as cash pots. And so you, you, your bank account is one cash pot and your property is another cash pot. And you're not doing anything other than taking it out of this cash pot and putting it into this cash pot. Just because you can't see the number, it's still there. And at any one point, you then go, right, I'm gonna take that cash out of this one and put it into this one, and take a bit of that cash out and put it into this one, you know. And I, I love that analogy because then my imagination just sees it as different pots, and now I've got different property pots, and I've got different business pots, and I've got different investment pots, and I just move the money around all the way. Um And another thing you said quite interestingly there is is about snowball, the snowball effect. And you could probably link that to compounding as well. I'm a big believer in compound investing, definitely in property, where, um, in fact, and sorry, I'm going on a bit here, but I'll get to the point. (laughs) One of the biggest mistakes I see property investors make, they set themselves a plan. say a five-year plan, I'm going to have... Uh, five properties in five years and it's going to generate me a couple of couple of grand a month in, in profit right but during that five years they spend all their profits and so actually what you end up with at the end of the five years you've not reinvested any of that money that you set out with your five-year plan yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: and I always try and tell people if I have any I have quite a few strategy calls and discovery calls with people that want to get into property investing and one of the first things I say to them is, right, if we set out this five-year plan, use that profit, or use some of that profit, we'll agree what the plan is, use some of that profit to reinvest and recycle, and then you're constantly compounding your investment, and it grows so quickly. Um, that's what I do anyway. So, yeah, really, really interesting points there. I think a lot of people will relate to that. Um, so, okay, you, you went half with your mum, you bought a property um, and you had a couple of experiences, you bought a couple more, you had a couple of experiences with bad tenants, but then it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, it kind of um, leveled out a bit and then they started generating a, a, an income Yeah, and then you decided to go for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So once we, like I say, we, we bought in the, in, in the same block, it was flats, we bought in the same block. And um, they generated, like I say, nicely. They weren't groundbreaking. And it's funny, I say to friends that are interested that now with a bit of knowledge in, in the area, we're in the same area as you, Tom. We're in oh. the in there, uh, Portsmouth and surrounding. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, and I said, they always say, well, what, you know, especially the guys that are into maybe stocks and shares and, and stuff like that. They'll ask, well, what are the returns? Because they're that bit more clued up. Um, and I'll say that, effectively me, me and you can go out today, and we could we could find a property today that generates like an 8% return, you know, we could go out today, we could we could put down your deposit all your fees, and we could we could comfortably find you somewhere that generates an 8% return. Now, that's that's great. That's, that's a solid return. Factor in a bit of buffer, there's an 8% return there. I then say to people, if we want to go out and spend a couple of weeks, I reckon we could find somewhere below market value after throwing some offers that generates maybe a 12 to 15 percent return. You know, it's going to take a bit more work, but we could find that we could find that it's going to need some, you know, a bit of a void period whilst we do it up. And then I always say if you want over 20 percent, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work. And I think it's going to take you someone who's going to take it seriously. Um, to actually have a build team that they rely on, um, all the backing of a good mortgage advisor that you're in contact with that you know gets some well with your solicitor and so on and so forth. So I think we started then linking our returns and looked at what we had to, right? We don't, do we want to be managing people constantly and going for just the most dilapidated, worst properties that we can find and then doing the numbers and then you know, being, being happy that all of our time is taken up by that. And we're like, no, I still work a full-time job. Um, Kira at the time was still working a full-time job. So we thought, no, what we're going to do is we're going to go for the ones that return um, what we would consider, like, we. our goal was we wanted to get a 20% return, but we wanted to pull out 50% of our deposit. That was our benchmark. Yep. So we set that and that's what we managed to start finding
0: perfect and I mean, great point you know really it all comes back down to yield always comes back down to yield on your money and again big thing i see people do is they, they make mistakes with calculating that yield at the front end and then they buy properties that don't actually return a good yield because they haven't calculated it right um, and you know what? I've, I've actually done a little bit of a 180 recently because i talk a lot about true yield And your true yield is an ever-evolving figure. It changes constantly because it's an amalgamation or a calculation, sorry, of your equity, your cash employed, appreciation, depreciation, net profits, tax, everything. And people miss all those things. What they do is they they work out, right, what's the annual rent? £10,000 divided by the purchase price. That's my yield.
1: It's it's not even... Never
0: used it. and you know what? Yeah, really good point. So, so what I did was a bit of a 180 because I realized that when I explained true yield, which is a monstrous calculation, um, you know, because your equity is ever expanding and compressing, and it's you refinance and then it compresses and then it expands and then compresses and and so on and so on. Some months you'll make more profit than other months because you have maintenance to take care of and then you've got a tax bill to pay and so on and so on. Um, so I've simplified it and just used cash employed, which is basically if you buy a property and you're going to use £50,000 of your own cash, that's that pot. And that's the pot that I was talking. You take £50,000 out of your bank pot and you put it into your property pot. That's 50000 employed in that pot right and then if then you add some value and you refinance that property but you're still going to leave 10,000 pounds of your cash in that pot but you've taken 40,000 out of that pot put it back in your bank pot then you are that property investment employs 10,000 pounds of your cash you agree with that don't you? that's that's how you do it too
2: 100%
0: and then if you're getting rent of 10,000 pounds each month each year but out of that, you're paying £5,000 in mortgage payments, insurance, management, maintenance, um, whatever, tax. Then you're left with £5,000 per year against your £10,000 investment. Yeah. And there's your 50 but well, right, it's 50%. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> making figures up here, but you get what I mean. Yeah, and
2: yeah, yeah. So, and that is, the, that is exactly, we've built out with, I have to be honest, it was over a over a couple of bottles of wine. Um, I, I, I knew what I wanted this calculator to say and my business, our other business partner, or, uh, they're a couple, so that's why I say they. Um, our other business partners are more so I said, look, I can't use, I do everything manually. I've got bits of paper everywhere. I'm a, I'm a firefighter, so that I'm very, very task-focused, very manual, whereas he's, more in tech and I said that I need um I need this spreadsheet to say these in these boxes I was like how like do you reckon you'd be able to do it um at some point he's like yeah we'll do it now and I was like wow like to me that's uh, you know some some kind of magic but that's what we use now is is roast we we call it roast return on cash employed yeah I'm not sure if you you know it's exactly what you said but um take it a step not maybe not further but in another direction of I completely agree with what you say so you know if we do a, a, a buy refurb refinance or a flip to let as I know you go, go with um, so we'll go okay well we've left in um, I don't know 10 like I say 10,000 pounds we've left in that deal which is great if it returns the numbers that you're talking about but then we'll work out okay for exit strategy purposes what is the sale on that because obviously you've got that other money that deposit sat there so whatever it's gone up by you've got the the additional 25 percent of that sat there so for this the calculator that we we've got and, and that we share we try to work out um okay we if we want if we're going with this property and we want to keep it and it meets our criteria for the kind of property we're a little bit more with with things like flats we're a bit more okay because obviously the service charges we're a bit more stringent and um, if it's borderline we want the exit strategy of a sale to make it worthwhile we don't we don't want it just to be okay well that gives us 30 percent return which is great and um, we also want to know that there's maybe i don't know 25 thirty thousand pounds profit if it becomes a sale rather than a keep. yeah so, um, i agree and yeah. if you
0: talk to your accountant he'll talk about balance sheets and profit and loss and stuff like that and and actually this is where the true yield thing comes from if you speak to a, a proper investor of anything if someone is a person who invests then you are all right, your your physical cash, you're leaving 10,000 in that property. Absolutely yes. right. And you've, you've made a really good point that you've still got a ton of equity sat there too. And yes. that's your cash as well. And yes. what you're choosing to do is not sell that property. So therefore, you're not taking that cash out. So you're leaving it in there. And that's what true yield is in that. Actually, your your investment is the, the 10,000 pounds that you're leaving in there has to be repaid because that's a debt. The asset owes you ten thousand pounds. Yes. But then there's equity of twenty-five thousand pounds. Let's just say. So once that debt's repaid, your investment is then your your equity, right? Um, but no, I, hey, I could we could get into a whole thing about. Yeah, you. I realise.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but I realise I'm probably throwing out so many calculations and people are probably glazing over a little bit. But I I love that you are on the right page when it comes to yield. Definitely got your heads switched on for sure. Um, Okay, so Realm Properties, you also work with investors as well?
2: Yes, yeah. That was something new. Um, We'd used bridging. Um, We used bridging on an auction purchase, solely bridging, um, which we found really good. Um, Ran the numbers, had the exits covered. We knew, for example, um, our bridge amount just for... uh, like rough figures was around about the I think it was around about the six eighty for the bridge, and then there was a service charge. But we, we knew that the property would rent when it was done up for about eight seven five. So February last year, yeah, we got it, got it, signed, sealed, delivered. Around about thirty three percent below market value, which was great. Um, at an auction, Kira went along. It was
1: so nerve wracking. I've never <laughs> felt. Adrenaline like it being the one that's bidding in the room, thinking, I want this, I want this, and yeah, bidding against other people. It was, it was a good experience. Look forward to getting back to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so got we, we uh, purchased that on a bridge, and we just knew, well, I knew from the numbers, and we know from the area, um, that even if we get stuck on this bridge, um, we can it can wash its face, the property will cover it itself, and that's just I. In my honest opinion, if you know your, your area, your market, and you know that these properties rent well, this is just off of the common in Southsea, um, then you know that, okay, it might not make you any money, but you just got to wait for that refinance to come through. And, and we, were, we were more than happy with that. I mean, with you know, my, my risk tolerance now, I wouldn't even mind taking a small hit if the bridge rate is higher. Um, than what we're getting in. I mean I'm not talking anything serious, but I wouldn't mind taking that risk a bit higher now because I'm quite comfortable with that. So that was our first taste of bridging on its own. Um, but we've done without realizing it we've done investor finance through friends and family before. It just wasn't official. It wasn't what we would call contracted. you know it, it wasn't like that. it was it was good agreement. people saw what we were doing and we were able to offer them um, a return. But then Realm, we thought, right, let's, you know, we want to be able to cast our net a bit wider. And so we came up with two ways of attracting investors, Uh, one being, which is very common uh, to offer them a fixed rate on their money for a fixed period of time. Um, And there's a lot of people we seem to get people around like the 30,000 pound upward mark that are quite interested in that because they're people that have got money saved. And it's not doing anything. And that's a that's a large amount of money not to be earning interest. Whereas what we've started doing with our um, people that approach us and are like, oh, I've got 10, 15,000 pounds, um, and that is their savings, that is what they have. They're interested in property, but they're not really interested in you know, for what we can offer them for that money around the 7, 7 8% mark, it is great returns, but to someone with that amount of money, it's not groundbreaking for them. It's not going to... So what we do with those people is we say to them, look, we can offer you um, a return on your money, same as we offer the people with more, or we can offer you whilst we go through the process with this property, we will keep you in the loop and tell you about every decision we're making because actually they're doing it because they want to get into it themselves. So they will they will be part of our bank of people that invest £10,000 and go, I want to be part of your education programme where all you do is um, update me with everything that you're doing, what you're using, the problems that you're having, how long the refinance is predicted to be. And it's kind of a passive way of them learning. And obviously at the end of the refinance, they get their money back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's... And like you say, you're building a business out of it, and you've made a really good point there. I just want to pick up on um, let's say eight percent. Right? Let's say, um, someone's got 15 grand in the bank, and uh, you say to them, Look, actually, let's make it nice and easy. Let's say
1: someone's
0: yeah, got yeah, 10,000 pounds £10, just sat in the bank doing nothing, which a lot of people have, and yeah. You say to them, hey, do you know what? You can't buy a property with £10,000. or unless you buy something up in Sunderland or something. (laughs) But um, rather than it sitting there doing nothing, how about you invest in property with us and I'll pay you 10% of your money as a fixed amount, for example. Now, the general person would quite understandably work out, okay, so I'll... Spend my £10,000 and I'm going to get £1,000 back. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's not really a lot, is it? And it's going to take me a year to get that money back, let's just say. Just just for the sake of conversation, right? So they're saying, oh, okay, so I'm going to get £83 a month. Uh, Nah, not really interested. So what they'll do is they'll leave that £10,000 in the bank doing nothing rather than get something, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I'll talk about compounding. If you did that same thing and you said, okay, £10,000 goes on that. Oh, now I've got £11,000. And now I lend £11,000. And then I'm going to get 1100 back. Yeah. And keep yeah. doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. I think, you know, Warren Buffett, I watched a, an interview with Warren Buffett and he said something like, when he first bought his first ever stock, he spent something like $114 dollars on three shares in a company something like that and he said if i'd have just left that and reinvested all of the profit that that stock made i'd have that one stock would be worth four hundred thousand now and that's just one just by compounding from a hundred dollars yeah. you know yeah
2: when and you that- see the gra- when you see the graphs on compounding it, it's phenomenal it's just as you said it's that it's that right I've got 10,000 pounds and then next year takes a year for 11. But when you actually, I mean, compound calculators are great to see, aren't they? And we've got a very young daughter who is only learning numbers, but I try and whether it be delayed gratification of, right, you can have this now we're going to go for a walk and you can have two when we get back, trying to just get that into people early or sorry, into her, especially early. Mm. I, I think especially in a world of instant gratification compounding, as you said, is is key, absolute key.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, uh, and and I love that as well, you're providing investors. People might not even realise that they could be investors. They might think, oh, I've only got 10 grand at the bank. Invest it. You know, even if you've got 10 pounds in the bank, invest it. Do something with it. Get into the habit of achieving lots of little wins. And then as you win more, you win bigger, and you win bigger and bigger and bigger, and just gets more and more and more. So um, just quickly before we go to the next part, um, if there is an investor out there that is thinking, do you know what? I got 30 grand just sat in the bank or I've got 50 grand in equity in my home or whatever, and I wanna do something with it. What would they do uh, that you could help them with and how could they contact you?
2: So I'd first of all ask them what, what helps them sleep at night? So I'm a massive believer, and I speak to a lot of people that are like, I just want to pay my mortgage off. Yeah, People close to home that say that a lot, and people that I, you know, I work with and, and their partners. And I completely get that. And I'd say to that person, once I've had a conversation, that if that is actually what helps you sleep at night and you feel secure, then that is the right thing for you to do. It, it doesn't matter if you've got a mortgage of, you know, Five hundred grand or fifty grand. If you, if you're in your head, the right thing to do is pay your mortgage off. Then I I would say to them that have a good look at that. But if you have the appetite to take out some money or have access to some money at sub two percent, which I mean we're looking at a mortgage on our house at the moment because just our fixed rates come to an end, and I just can't believe what you can get i mean if we can borrow money at 1.39% <laughs> and then i mean and then invest in someone like us and get an 8 to 10% return on that money if you want to be hands off no work. yeah it's just the best it's just the best time to do it like the, the, because we're able to utilize that money at the moment and a return like that is astronomically more than you get in a bank oh,
0: yeah.
2: um, so our our website is realmproperty.co.uk you can get in touch with us there to talk about it and talk through your options but yeah i would i would definitely say it's all about how that person feels letting go of that money everything that we do is secured and we update all of our investors with what we're doing and timelines and everything's contracted um but it's got to be the balls in their court after they hear it and and i would if i if i sense that someone's uneasy and there's a partner there you know them and their partner and one of them isn't isn't that keen i think it could create an issue so uh, you know we we definitely would say to that person you need to both be on board with this yeah because it's locked up for a period of time we cannot access it just like like you can in a bank account at 0.5 it's not like that um so yeah i would just say look at your risk tolerance Have a good think about where you see that money going in the next period of time. It's not like stocks and shares where you've got to leave it there for a long time to ride out some waves. This is a fixed amount of return that you are getting a contract on. So, yeah. And also look at the education side of it. If it's something you want to get into, if you've got a smaller amount and you want to try that first, then what a way to look at it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good way to look at it, too. And and you've mentioned really about comfort zones, haven't you? risk tolerance and there's there's the opposite end of the scale in a really strange way and I'll give you a quick story here but um so my my upbringing was with zero money and I was raised by my mum it was just it was difficult to for my mum to get by and didn't have anything um you know sometimes we were bouncing from one sofa to the next and like that just you know, I didn't know this, so all I knew that I was with my mum, it doesn't matter, you know, it was, it was quite a, I don't know, you look back on it and I don't remember all of that because my mum just made sure we were always happy and our, our holidays were camping in a campsite and and stuff like that, with an old tent with holes in it, you know, whatever. So what's quite weird is that you, that's your upbringing and that's what you get used to. My mum always struggled through, she ended up making a bit of a, a, a win with her business, um, but we still never really had any money. And then when I started in business, I was following the same thing. I was struggling, 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 struggling. Was never actually getting anywhere until I got somewhere. Until I started figuring shit out and then made some money and then started making something for myself. And then you're out of your comfort zone. All of a sudden, I've got business working, properties working, investments working, and money coming in. And now I'm panicking for a whole different thing. Now I'm thinking, shit, I've got all this money coming in. What am I going to do with it? I can't just leave it in the bank doing nothing. And I'm actually getting panicky now thinking, right, I've got money in the bank now. I need to get it out of the bank. I need to put it into something. And it's a whole different comfort level. And I think when you get to that point where your comfort zone changes, your risk tolerance changes. Because now all of a sudden I'm thinking, right, I've got money in the bank now and need to get it out. Um, yeah, right. Fuck it. I'll go for that one. That's a great one. Yeah, let's. Do it. it's a bit more risk, but sod You know, I've got some safe investments now. Let's go for a bit more of a risky one. And it's a real interesting way to look at it. And you're absolutely right. I think if you're just about to get into investing, then you think to yourself, I've got 50 grand in the bank. What do I want to do with that? Do I want to leave it in the bank? 50 grand. You're happy if that does nothing and just stays at 50 grand. You're happy with that. Then leave it in the bank. If you're not happy with that and you want to turn 50 grand into 55 grand and then 55 grand into 61 and a half grand and so on and so on and so on, then do something with it.
2: Absolutely. And and as you're 100% aware of that money is being eroded with what you're getting in the bank it's not worth what it was that new car is now 35 grand rather than 33 grand this year you know so your money that was 50 grand it is 50 grand but a loaf of bread's gone up by 60 yeah. feet so and it's it's worth thinking like that because you know w- it, our calculator even takes that into account that with what gdp's like, doing depends on um that how we can how we can work out those returns over a period of time if that makes sense to try yeah, and think like, if we leave that there it's actually the returns don't look that great but when you think of that money eroding that gives us that uplift straight away by putting it into a property which is also moving along at the same pace as that rather than the bank. so that's why i tell people like getting something even if they're like that i just want something simple i want something easy i'd support them through buying what is termed a vanilla buy to let, because you've got the asset sat there, which becomes an asset if it's managed well, which, all right, you've bought it at market value mm-hmm. and it might only make you 100 pounds a month in your hand, but brilliant compared to what you were getting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Even if the property breaks even, you still have it sat there. It's, yeah. it's a nice thing to have.
0: Yeah, you're right. And you've got something that has potential to grow in value as well, rather than just not. And, and even it like, even like you say even if you break even you've still got the potential for it to grow even if it doesn't grow this year or doesn't grow next year or doesn't grow for the next 10 years you will always have that potential whereas if it's sat in the bank it's guaranteed to drop in value and and again that's a guarantee you can't give it just natural economics um and and quite frankly I, th- I don't think a lot of people understand that, and, and I don't mean that condescend- in any condescending way, I think that, like we said at the beginning of this, when you've got that 50 grand sat in the bank, you feel safe, you know it's there, and you don't realise that when you put that in the bank 10 years ago, the pound was worth a lot less, Yeah, as you just said, you know, yeah. back then, you could buy a loaf of bread for a pound, but today, 10 years later, it's a pound 50. So really you're just constantly losing money because the the number 50,000 pounds is still 50,000 pounds sat in your bank. Um, Anyway, again, we could go, we could go for hours, I must admit. But what I'd love to do now is um, for the benefit of everybody listening here, I hope that helps. Some really good tips from real life property investors who I think have been at both ends of the scale, meaning They started out in property investing they've made some mistakes they started out small just just seeing what they could turn their money into with no real experience correct me if i'm wrong but no real direct property investment experience you just went for it you did what you thought was right um and you had some bad experiences you had some good experiences and then you turned it into a business and and that's where i think everybody should aspire to um and so what I'm going to do now for everybody listening here is I'm going to uh, what's the word introduce the second phase of this interview. And I'm probably going to do this as a separate episode now. So if you're listening to this now and you like what you're hearing so far, then hold on for the next episode, because we're going to talk to uh, we're going to put all the pressure on Kira. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put Kira under the spotlight because Kira has a pretty amazing story and um, which i think a lot of people will relate to and it's all about going from that nine till five well not nine to five in 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 that industry as you know but (laughs) going from that full-time employed job then going through that decision of turning it into a property investment career for yourself but along the way a bit of a rocky road which again i think a lot of people in one way or another, have that little period of time where they think I've got to do something different with my life. I want to do something different with my life. So tune in for the next episode on that. But in the meantime, I just want to say thank you very much for James and Kira for joining me on this episode of the anonymous landlord. And remember that your property is not your baby. It's not your blood, sweat and tears. It's not the love of your life. It's nothing like that. Your property is nothing more than a vehicle which is designed to make profit without you. And that's the point. So thank you very
2: much for joining me. Thank Thank you you very much, Tom. Um, And yeah, like I said, check out realmproperty.co.uk. We've got two places at the moment that are having quite extensive works on that we're going to keep up to date on there and on our Instagram page. So yeah, check it out.
0: Yeah, I certainly will. And I think there's probably a, a separate conversation as well because um with this podcast i I speak to a lot of investors that are in that situation that we're talking about where they might have a smaller amount of money and don't really know what to do with it Um, and so you know there could be another conversation to have there as well so
2: totally agree
0: absolutely cool all right we'll try and help as many people as we can right so we'll end it there tune in for the next episode and i will catch you on the other side